Hey, 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 welcome to Non-Essential Workers. I'm your host, Marlena, and today I get to speak to Canadian fiddler and traditional music maker Carson McEwen. His band, In Echo, was just nominated for Music PEI's Instrumental Recording of the Year. I'm so excited to see what he has been up to and learn more about the fiddler lifestyle, as he calls it. If you enjoy listening, consider following us on Instagram at at NEW.podcast and subscribing to our YouTube channel, Non-Essential Workers Podcast, where you can see full-length videos of our chats. Stay safe and happy during this holiday season, and we'll see you in the new year. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I've been listening to your your music and I've been loving it I I've been getting through the 2019 album and um just listened to in the nick of time which was 2020 release right yeah in March in Um, March before COVID we got in the studio oh wow that's uh time you could say that's meaningful (laughs) yeah yeah looking back that's that's where that that uh, title came from Okay, you named it afterwards. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, because there's there's two tunes in that track. Um, the first one, um, I don't even know what the first one is called anymore. I didn't write the first one. My bandmate Tuli did, the other fiddle player. Yeah. Um, but uh, the second one is called Behind the Wheel, and I wrote it for a Mother's Day gift. Aww. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. so cute. Okay, well, do you want to like? Do you want to introduce yourself a bit? Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, so I'm Carson. I'm living in Charlottetown, PEI. Uh, originally from Ottawa. That's where we met mm-hmm. um, back in the Ottawa U Orchestra party days. Back in the, <laughs> the before times. <laughs> yeah, uh, back in the day. Um, yeah, so I moved to PEI uh, to teach. I was asked to move here by Long Way. Um, so I did. I literally decided, like, I was asked at a gig, and then I was like, sure, why not? So here I am, been here for just uh, like two and a half years now, and it's going really well. Got a band on the on the way. Got that started pretty much as soon as I got here, which is pretty awesome. Um, and the student caliber here is fantastic for the little kids. So I'm having a blast with that. Yeah. So you were asked to do like one gig, and it kind of took you there, and you ended up staying, or did you know you were going to stay that long? Uh, well, I was on vacation here, and I needed gas money to get home, so I did a gig. Uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> um, so I have a cottage on the western side of the island, and I used to come here as a kid uh, every summer and stuff. So I was here uh, for the cottage and had a, a little tiny gig uh, with a friend of mine, Jesse Perriard, uh, who's a guitar player here. And uh, the lessons coordinator from Long Wade was there because she found out I was on the island. And then she just jokingly asked, because they needed fiddle teachers, um, if I would ever move move back here, because I went to school here for music, um, if I'd ever move back to teach. And then um, I just literally decided kind of on the spots, yes. Wow. It just yeah. felt right in your body yeah. at the time. Yeah. Well, I, I knew there was going to be a lot of students. Um, and Jesse Perry, the guitar player I was playing with, with that gig, um, his band had just kind of disbanded. Um, after a really long run, they did 10 years together. 
um, and toured everywhere. So I knew I was kind of looking to maybe start a project with him. And then we started in that go together with two others um, and then kind of never looked back since. Wow. So, yeah. but you're from, you're from Ottawa, right? Yeah. Yeah. But you just kind of summered, so to speak, in, uh, yeah. in PEI. Okay. What, what's the connection there? Like, are your parents from PEI? My, uh, my grandmother's from PEI. Oh, okay. So it's in yeah. the, it's in the bloodline. Yeah. And I have a lot of fiddle players, uh, back in the day in the family. Okay. So that's why I started playing as well. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So many questions. So, um, the title of the band do you like I don't yeah. I, I I'm always really fascinated by the names people choose for some reason yeah. um do you, is there a story behind that or like wh- where does that yeah. come yeah. from yeah uh so we had a, a hard time trying to think of a band name uh it took a long time we we did several little tiny like almost 20 minute 15 minute gigs and we have a notebook that we pass around the crowd so we can get name ideas and some of them were, were quite interesting um <laughs> but um Ineco was not one of them that was on the on the sheet at all um we tried um because Gormla the concertina player in the band she's Irish she's from Ireland um that's where she is now actually uh, she's back home um but so we wanted to maybe experiment with uh, an Irish language name but the difficulty with that is only one of us could ever pronounce it um, so that's, uh, we, we kind of experimented with like one or two of those, came really close to deciding on it. Um, but then, uh, we actually, we came up with in echo with one N originally, um, with echo kind of being the main word of it. Um, cause what, like we're all four of us are from totally different backgrounds, um, within traditional music. So we're always echoing, um, everything we've learned constantly mm. um, and all the people we've learned from kind of different accents we've learned from basically um and then uh Thule and Gormla lived in a place called the Banbridge Inn uh our first year together and that's where all of our rehearsals would take place uh and we got a few noise complaints <laughs> so you could literally hear us outside the inn so in echo there it is oh I love yeah. that so many conne- <laughs> so many connections yeah. yeah I had a feeling there was a story behind it um, yeah, I like that name a lot. Okay, so do you want to maybe talk about, like, the the makeup of your band? Like, who's who's in it? What do they play? Um, it's it's very unique ensemble, and you can really hear, like, in, in your music how diverse the different backgrounds are, and it's very sort of um, uh, genre-bending, so to speak. It is, yeah. Um, yeah, we're really lucky that, because uh, the four of us come from four different parts of the world, really. I'm from Ottawa, um, Thule, who's the other fiddle player, um, she plays a five-string fiddle, and the cello. Um, cello, I guess, is technically her kind of her main ish- instrument, or it was growing up, and then she switched to, I guess, fiddola, you could call it, or five-string fiddle. Um, so she's from Victoria, BC. Um, Jesse is from, was uh, the original guitar player, he's from PEI, um, but now Tom Gammons is taking his place, and he's from Montana, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Ormla Baines on concertina. Uh, she's from Ireland. She's from uh, Drogheda, Ireland. So much, like so many different influences fused together. Uh, Tuli and I have more of a uh, kind of combined classical and traditional background. Um, we both studied at Holland College uh, School of Performing Arts, which is a contemporary bass program. So it has a lot of jazz um, based stuff in there. And uh, the original guitar player, Jesse, and Tom 
uh, actually studied there as well. So we have that kind of contemporary background from that. And then Gormala comes from a really, really, really traditional background. So all the, um, she kind of grounds us almost <laughs> from mm. getting too crazy sometimes. Mm. Cool. Yeah. What does what does traditional music even mean? Like for people who don't know, what what does this mean? Because it seems like a very um, it seems like an umbrella term to cover sort of definitely. a lot of different things, right? Because you could you, like someone who wouldn't know could almost say like, oh, is classical music traditional? You know, yeah. like what what does this mean? Um, well, like funny you say that because there are lots of people who have taken. Uh, like classical pieces um, and kind of made it um, like put a guess, traditional Celtic spin on it. Um, there's a few albums with um, like there's an unaccompanied Bach piece uh, with full background uh, accompaniment so it's not unaccompanied anymore and stuff like that. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, but traditional music as an umbrella is usually Celtic inspired um, uh, tunes basically that have been passed down kind of the tradition has been passed down um, through the generations. Um, that, that can also uh, involve um, Nordic traditions as well, um, from Denmark, Sweden, and Norway. Uh, they have a really uh, kind of unique, well, compared to uh, Celtic traditions, um, a much different style. Um, and you can definitely almost hear that kind of Nordic Viking heritage kind of sound mm-hmm. in that. Um, but a, a lot of it's uh, pretty, all of it pretty much uh, kind of has to do with dance. Okay. So back in the day, um, that was the entertainment. So it was all dance based. Uh, so it's dance music. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what um, it still is to this day. So uh, when you were listening to the album, you probably heard a pretty heavy drum beat in the background, just a bass drum. Um, so that's to get you going, basically. <laughs> yeah, and that's why a lot of the titles of the, the traditional songs would be like jigs or reels or... Yeah. Right. Um, so that's just different types of tunes. We have jigs, reels, waltzes. Um, those are kind of three main types. There's slip jigs. Um, so jigs are in six eight. Slip jigs are in nine eight. Um, mazurkas, which are on three four, um, but kind of have a jig feel. There's polkas, which are in true four four. Reels are in two four. Uh, polkas are in uh, four four. There's marches, strathspeys, um, slow airs, which are um, just really really slow and kind of free tempo. Um, hornpipes, clogs, wow. <laughs> there's a, a whole different, uh, whole slew of different ones. So as a, as a, um, well, I should give Jane and Kyle a shout out because I think they'd be <laughs> mad if we didn't mention them at all. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. but that's how we know it. That's our connection. That's how we know each other. And they're also great fiddlers. Mm-hmm. And I lived with Jane for, um, for one year and I've no, yeah. And you lived with <laughs> Kyle. Exactly. And yeah. they're, they're dating. Um, and um, I was always just astounded by, like, as a classical trained, um, person who, you know, has, has dabbled in other genres, but not, um, not sort of with the astuteness that I have with, with <laughs> classical, um, I've always been astounded at, the amount of tunes you guys keep in your head and like that, that tradition of learning by ear and learning and learning in groups and these big, big, you know, fiddle circles. And, you know, I see like what Jane's up to and it just, it just looks like frankly so much more fun. Like, <laughs> <laughs> well, like, um, yeah, like that's the main difference I'd say between classical music and, 
uh, we call it trad nowadays. We're too cool for tradition. Yeah, that's you're too, uh, so way trad too cool. Trad is the cool kid way to say it. Um, so that that's kind of the main difference. Uh, is it such an oral tradition? Uh, so if you listen to, there's some newer bands out of Scotland, um, and a lot of them have kind of like voice clips of their um, I guess elders in that, um, and kind of talking about the tradition and how they used to teach it um, to like bagpipers, and a lot of it was you learn how to say the tunes before you learn how to play them because it's, it is a lot like an accent. Um, and if wow. you can sing it, you can play it. So Wow. I definitely kind of sing with my students a little bit. Yeah. Just um, kind of like the feel of the, the rhythms yeah. and stuff like that. Okay. So like with like a jig rhythm, like da, 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 kind of something like that. Right. Um, so to, uh, like as a classical player, you see six, eight, and you say one, two, three, four, five, six. Right, right. Right, right. I love how yeah. straight you, I love how straight you just did that. One, two, three, four, five, six. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Wow. Yeah, because you know one of the things we talked about when we were chatting about um, this is um, I was saying to you that uh, you know I have my my ads for teaching on Kijiji and all of this, and um, there's been multiple times where someone you know I I try, I try to make myself available to teach other types of music as well um but there's been multiple times where someone has approached me saying you know I'd really like to lo- learn how to fiddle um and I find myself like trying to think of you know where to start with them and I find myself always approaching it from such a classical um point of view I'm like oh where where do you get fiddle books and you know all of this which I'm sure can be helpful but I don't have that background that like I wasn't steeped in that culture where, you know, you're all jamming late, late at night and you just, it just, it just sort of comes into you by osmosis, right? It is a lifestyle, hundred percent. That's what I want to name this episode. I'm going to write this down right now. It is a lifestyle. Yeah, it is a, it is a lifestyle, 100%. <laughs> I love um, it. So, um, <laughs> like I listen to trad music. Uh, day in and day out. Um, I, I don't really listen to songs with words. Um, a lot of my friends say that. Um, so if like some, like I don't listen to much pop music or anything like that. Um, and like, I find like connection with traditional music so much stronger to me. Um, but I, I'm definitely a, like a huge music nerd. So, um, I'm not listening to necessarily like just a fiddle and a piano or a fiddle and a guitar all the time. I'm listening to kind of bands that have formed, um, that have like really intricate, uh, harmonies, counter melodies, rhythm sections, stuff like that. Um, cause the kind of new wave of traditional music has gone, kind of gone in that direction, adding so much more to the music. And I find that's super interesting. Um, just to see what everyone's doing with the older style tunes um, and bringing like a new spin on it with modern influences and stuff like that. Um, but with teaching, uh, it is, it's hard because I am classically trained as well, although I'm definitely not a classical violinist. Um, I was for like a hot second maybe in, in high school. But, <laughs> um, a hot second? You just did a quick arpeggio and then you were like, no. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I went to, I went to Canterbury, so that's where I get my classical training from. Um, and then... I had a, a classical violin teacher when I was in college studying music, um, but I, I would always, when I would end up in the practice room, I'd definitely play more tunes than scales and studies and stuff like that. Um, but I have a, it brought like a whole new kind of appreciation to music as a whole, studying classical music. But coming from a teaching perspective uh, with my fiddle students, I kind of let 
uh, technique almost get in the way sometimes when I'm teaching, um, and then I have to kind of bring myself back to no, they need the feel. That's uh, equally as important. Um, so I almost um, kind of bounce back and forth, like one lesson might be technique-based, um, and then the next lesson, because uh, I play guitar as well, um, okay. strictly, to, I don't uh, play much anything else except for backing and fiddle tunes. Um, so I'll bring my guitar in, and then we'll just we'll jam for half an hour, um, just so they can kind of get the feel of playing the tune three times in a row rather than just the one time, um, and going from tune to tune and making their own sets and stuff like that. Because uh, um, as fiddle players, we don't just play a reel and then call it a day at that. Um, usually, uh, a set's made up of at least three tunes. Um, and you're playing these tunes at least two to three times, sometimes even more. Mm-hmm. Um, and kind of doing little tiny differences between each each time through the tune. Okay. What kind of differences would you do? Um, so you might do, like, let's say you're doing a jig um, and the bar has six different eighth notes in the bar. Um, maybe the second time through, instead of doing six, you might uh, do three eighth notes and a dotted quarter notes the second time through. Okay. Just rhythm, rhythm things, um, melody variants, um, maybe throwing in a slightly different melody, adding different ornaments. So we have a lot of different ornaments, um, little Christmas decorations that I that's how I explain them to my, my kids. Um, so we have cuts, which is instead of a quarter note, you go da 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 dum. So um, it's two sixteenths and eighth um, instead of a quarter note. Okay. Yep. Um, and then we have rolls, um, which are uh, a series of grace notes. Uh, so you have your your home note. Let's say it's a first finger, and then you're going up one, back to that, down one, and then back. So it's five notes in total. Da 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 dum. Kind of like a mordant or something. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, exactly, okay. yeah. Yeah. Um, so those, um, they're kind of optional, so that you don't want to put them all over the place or else not really special anymore. Yeah. Um, Much like Baroque traditions, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Very cool. So how, what, what would the best way for someone like me, if, if I'm approached by a student... Other than just refer them to you, which would probably be the best thing to do, um, how would someone like me go about starting someone on fiddle? Um, so, as a teacher coming from like pretty much just classical, I would listen to as much fiddle music as you can mm-hmm. um, and try to learn a few tunes by ear, kind of even before you uh, try to teach the tradition, because uh, that's where you're going to pick up. Uh, you can call it like an accent. Um, so you're kind of, maybe you can compare it to a, a fancy British accent that you're playing with um, and you need more of an Irish accent. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, try to learn a few tunes by ear. You need to um, sound like, just... you need to sound like you've had a few beers, basically. Yeah, okay. yeah, definitely, yeah. Yeah, maybe stay up late a few times. <laughs> um, and then uh, teach by ear as well. So the, the tunes that you pick up by ear, teach them by ear. So, because um, if you're reading something... Uh, like I'm just like you, we can both read music. Um, so if I read a tune and I can read it and I can play it pretty much right away because they're quite all quite simple. Um, and then I'll go away from that and then I won't remember it five minutes later because I've just basically read a book. Yeah. Um, but if you learn it by ear, then you're going to remember it um, and you're going to remember yeah. that melody and you're going to be able to sing it in your head. That's, that's a big part of it. That's so key, right? Like I, I noticed my memory as, a, as an orchestral, now I'm a professional orchestral player and, um, you know, so much of our practice is like, 
I mean, there's a great skill to it in a sense that, you know, you get really good at noticing oh, patterns yes, yeah. and reading and, <clears throat> but then that, that lost art of really like tuning and turning inwards and really, mm-hmm. really learning just by ear. It's, it's, I notice it sort of slipping away from me and I want to keep exercising that muscle because I think over years yeah. and years, you know, you develop this other muscle of being able to read really well, but then you get off the page and you're like, what, what key is this even in? Like, I, I don't know. I just, yeah. I just scan. Right. I feel that a hundred percent. Yeah. Um, and like I have students who are, are, they're only classical students. They don't have interest in the traditional music, um, and trying to teach them something by ear. Um, usually they've come from another teacher somewhere else. Um, I have a lot of newcomers to Canada, so they've studied in other countries and stuff like that. Um, so trying to teach them a fiddle tune by ear is completely foreign to them. Um, so they have really, really good reading skills, um, even like really good intonation. So they have good ears, um, but being able to remember that melody is really, really tricky for them. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that totally makes sense. And I didn't start learning by ear until um, probably about, I was, wasn't really comfortable maybe about eight years into playing or so, um, because I started, uh, my teacher started me off learning by note. Um, so that's um, where I get my reading skills from. And I'm really thankful for that because a lot of uh, traditional players don't have that reading skill. Okay. Um, but it took me a long time and I had to really force myself to learn by ear because I could just read the tune. Right. Um, and that was really easy for me. Um, but then um, learning by ear so much, you get so much more from it. Right. Yeah. And, um, so, okay, let's, let's go back to your band for a bit. Um, you told me this morning, some exciting news. Do you want to share that? Uh, yeah, we've been nominated for music PEI's, uh, instrumental recording of the year. So that's pretty exciting. That's so exciting. So which recording is this specifically? Uh, so that's the full length album. Um, the 2019. 2019. Okay. Yeah. So, um, they kind of extended the rules this year so you could have uh, a bit of an overlap from last year's awards. Uh, we were nominated for three awards last year as well um, for that same album, but this is a new category, so we were able to apply for this as well. Yeah. That's so great. Mm-hmm. Wow. So within the band, how, so how are you able to record this year? Because you recorded in 2020. Yeah. How are you able um, to do that? Yeah, we're, we're not recording right now because we are so distant right now. Uh, Tom and I, uh, the guitar player and I, we're here in both in Charlottetown, but Tuli and Gormla are not right now. Um, and all of our arranging of tunes um, and writing has been the four of us in a room. Um, we literally kind of lock ourselves in a room for like 10 hours um, and then we hammer something out. Um, so we've found it really, really difficult to try to do that remotely. Um, I've kind of done some stuff on my own, kind of played with progressions and tunes, um, and, but it's not the same, the, the creative kind of juices aren't there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, your, your 2019 album um, was done in a studio or was done in, at your home or where was it recorded? Yeah, it was done in a studio. Um, a basement studio is pretty low budget. Um, the, there's a bit of a kind of a story with that. We never intended to record an album that soon. We'd only been a band for about six months when we recorded that. Oh my um, gosh. And the, we recorded four tracks of it when we'd only been a band for about three months or so. Wow. Um, so we kind of had a lot of momentum behind us um, just starting out. We were in these uh, really small shows. Um, there's a number of different kind of variety shows around 
uh, Charlotte Town that happened um, pretty much weekly. So we just wanted to kind of play out what we had created because we um, we were feeling really, really good about it. It's um, really confident and just wanted to see how it worked in a live setting. Uh, so we were playing a lot of that and a lot of people got super interested in what we were doing. So we were um, invited to represent um, PEI at the Folk Alliance, which is a like kind of networking conf- conference. Um, but we hadn't recorded. We had only three sets to our name. We had no name. Um, <laughs> and we, we, need, we had no photos. We had no videos or anything like that. So we had to kind of get everything together really, really qu- quickly um, in order to get that off the ground. Wow, that's fascinating. I, so yeah. I find that amazing because it's so um, it's uh, like it, it it's the perfect balance between very like natural sounding, but then also um, it's it's it seems almost conscious in its mixing of genres mm-hmm. and styles in another sense. Like one of yeah. my I think my favorite song so far it was called uh, I wrote it down Lost in Washington. I really yeah. liked that one because like it, right in the middle, it sort of like does a breakdown <laughs> and uh, now I'm realizing what that instrument was. It was the five string yeah. violin. Yeah, the five string and the, and the guitar. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I really like that. That's amazing that you got that together so fast. Um, yeah. It's like we spent a lot of time together um, in the Bambridge Inn. Um, so like at least three to four times a week at that time. Um, we were there for hours at a time, mm-hmm. um, just trying, cause once, um, like we start with, these are the tunes we want to work with some, a lot of times it's one tune that we have in mind. Um, so I had with that track, I had learned, uh, Washington square park, which is the first tune in that. Um, it's just a really unique tune. It's in three, two, which is kind of odd for mm-hmm. a tune. Um, and it's an E, which is a really nice key. Um, and it has a really nice progression that goes with it as well. Um, so I learned that off a video on YouTube, um, and I've just been playing quite a bit. Um, and then uh, we, I don't know how we came up with putting Lost in the Loop, which is uh, the second tune in that track, uh, which was written by Liz Carroll. Um, but it just ended up going really well. So, um, and then with that, it's kind of interesting little breakdown in the middle. Yeah. So I was wondering how much of your tunes on the album, let's say on that album or in general, are um, are written by you guys versus or pre-existing tunes. Uh, I think I think the number was nine out of thirteen, nine or ten out of thirteen are original. Oh, okay, that's a lot. Yeah, nine out of thirteen. Okay, so you're you're using yeah. the traditions that you're um, that are at your disposal and writing tunes mm-hmm. based on. Yeah. Okay. Um, and it's we we try to do that as much as possible. Uh, with the EP, the three track EP Winter's End, um, there's uh one tune, uh, the wreck of the HMS Phoenix. Um, that's that's uh, it's not necessarily a traditional tune. It was written by Jake Sharong and Cody Chasen of the East Pointers. Um, it's a still a fairly new tune. Um, but that's the only one that we didn't write. So. The other two sets have original tunes in them as well. Yeah. Wow, so cool. And so, what's the process for writing? How does that is is um, is one person more active with composing and writing um, tunes, or is it like a big jam session that just turns into something? How does that work? Uh, with some of them, they were written beforehand and kind of brought to the table. 
Um, I had written the tune That Bass, which is in the Ibs in the Big City track, um, and Jesse had written the Ibs in the Big City tune. Um, so we had both written those beforehand, um, and they both just happened to be in F sharp minor. So we put those together. F sharp um, minor, brave, yeah. brave, brave. <laughs> um, F sharp is probably one of my favorite keys. F sharp minor, not major. Uh, we're not crazy here, but <laughs> um, but yeah, it's probably one of my favorite keys to play in. Uh, it's just really kind of groovy, um, and you can put the D major chord in there, um, and it sounds really, really nice. Um, but yeah, so we had written those tunes before um, in Echo had even been thought of. Um, and then a uh, tune like uh, G for Gislen, uh, it's a polka written in G major, and we just needed something to go in front of the E major polka that we had already. Um, we had kind of tried a few other tunes, um, they didn't really fit all that well. Um, so Gorma and Thule, um, and I, did I help write that? I think I helped her that i think i want the credits <laughs> <laughs> um so we uh yeah we just kind of started fooling around with literally g arpeggios um that's almost what the whole tune is uh, is a big arpeggio over and over again um and the good thing about polkas is just they're just so driving um so they can be so simple um the kind of point of them is to play them really really fast um so we wrote that that one together um just kind of hanging out uh throwing ideas off of each other um, so it's it's really all kind of a mix. There's um, no tunes we've written as the four of us. Uh, usually we bring uh, tunes to the table that we've written um, ourselves. Though. Before so the band, them. like before you've written before the band formed, or sort of on your own time. Uh, it's kind of a mix of a few things. Um, some of the tunes have been written uh, before the band even started. Uh, some of them are written kind of as we go. Um, 275 uh, from Winter's End was uh, written because Tom sent chords to Thule, um, and then Thule wrote a tune to go with the chords. So, mm. yeah. It's really a labor of love from everybody combined teamwork. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And with the differing backgrounds, musical backgrounds, um, do you find that sometimes there are challenges with communicating or writing or anything like that? Uh, not so much like we're kind of um, like we decided almost day one that uh, every idea will be tried mm. um, even if it's let's play Twinkle Twinkle five times <laughs> we're try it um, <laughs> not to say we're doing to do that but um, every idea will be tried just to just to see um, and some really good things have come out of that um, where like even all four of us might be like oh doubt this will work um, but then it ended up making the cut so yeah Wow, that's such a wonderful f- kind of um, mission or philosophy because mm-hmm. it kind of makes it so that people aren't scared to suggest things in rehearsal as well, right? Yeah, um, and because like we start with the bass tune, which is sixteen bars long, um, and then we turn it into sometimes a six-minute track. Um, so there's a lot of different stuff going in there. So you need a lot of ideas. Um, just to make it interesting or so you're not just playing the same thing over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. That's great. And so what what are, what are some of your sort of long-term, have you thought about some of your long-term goals for this pro- this particular project? Uh, it's like we had a lot of goals and kind of a lot of projections almost uh, pre-COVID. Um, and it's almost like we just got the rug kind of ripped out from our feet. I've been hearing um, that we a were, lot. <laughs> we were yeah. just 
getting going. We yeah. had a nice tour lined up um, for this past summer across Canada. We were supposed to be going to Europe in March uh, oh. for a three-week tour. Um, so, yeah, we literally just got kind of yanked out. That was our first real summer as a band, um, going really, really hard. Um, everything that happened in 2019 was kind of just gifted to us almost. It just kind of fell in our laps, all the gigs that we got, which were really, really fantastic opportunities. Um, we didn't expect any of that. Um, and then we kind of worked for this this summer. Um, but hopefully that will keep on going. Uh, and we, we want to be like a music festival event primarily um, and just have a lot of fun with it, travel mm-hmm. a lot. Uh, probably plans for an album in two to three years. Um, we want to really take our time with the next one, considering everything has been really rushed up until this point. Even the EP, um, we arranged the three tracks probably in about three weeks, three to four weeks. So. So, so with the EP, were you still able to all meet in the same room and record that? Yeah, that was that was pre-COVID. So. Oh, still the... Oh, right. Right, of yeah. course. Yeah, the 2020. Okay, thank God you guys got that yeah. in. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, we were uh, literally the weekend before, so that was great. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So how, so rehearsals, you guys haven't met for rehearsals since? Uh, well, we, uh, thankfully, cause we're in PEI, um, PEI is, uh, relatively untouched by COVID. Um, so this past summer we were able to gig all throughout July before Gormla went home to Ireland. Um, so we had quite a few fest kind of little tiny festivals around the Island lined up. Um, and PEI as a whole have been really, really great to artists. Um, the Music PEI is an association that's put on a few different things. Um, they're still doing a showcase for us, Music PEI Showcase, um, putting in a folk alliance slot, um, stuff like that, just to really kind of keep everything going. Um, and then a lot of the festivals kind of altered themselves um, in order to accommodate island artists. So there is uh, a drive-in festival for the Cavendish Beach Music Festival, which is usually uh, a one-weekend event uh, focused on country music. Um, but they had, I think it was four or five weekends um, focused on kind of a different genre set uh, for each weekend because there's such a kind of vast land of music here. Um, so that a lot of people think PEI, traditional music, um, but there's a huge dash scene. There's a really big hip-hop scene, hmm. um, even kind of a grunge rock scene, metal scene, um, and then country music as well. Oh, I didn't um, so know that. Some, That's amazing. Yeah. Um, so when you say traditional, so you were originally talking about Celtic traditions at the beginning, and I know that there is Cape Breton tradition, PEI, there's sort of more Canadian, um, originating traditions. How did, do those still all originate from, from the Celtic or is it a completely different? Yeah, they do. Um, yeah, the, the kind of the roots is all from Ireland and Scotland, um, the roots of all that music. Um, and it's had been brought over by, um, I guess our ancestors. Um, so with my family, um, I believe it was probably about five or six generations back, um, that they came over from Ireland and a lot of my great, uh, great, great aunts and uncles, um, some of them are still alive today, um, but they were really, really great fiddle players and piano players. Um, and they would get, get together just as they would, I guess, back in Ireland, a few generations back. Um, for house parties and stuff like that. So uh, the traditions have all kind of stemmed from that. In Cape Breton, they have a really, really big Scottish tradition. Um, And that's because a lot of people from Scotland arrived in Cape Breton. 
And then around the Ottawa Valley, there's a lot of Irish players as well um, because there's a lot of Irish people that ended up there. Um, but because Ottawa is such a big city, um, there's d- distinct like Cape Breton pockets of players, Irish players, and more of an Ottawa Valley style, which is kind of a more old-time-influenced uh, playing. Okay. Wow. And so as I'm guessing as the years have gone by, um, the sort of original Celtic traditions now look quite different from from the Cape Breton fiddlers and the PEI fiddlers and these other... Yeah. Yes. Um, like, I haven't been to Scotland myself, but I've been to Ireland. And um, like, you, you can tell it's still very much rooted in the original traditions there. Um, so like a lot of pub playing just in sessions and stuff like that. Um, and a lot of, um, just really getting together with friends on a weekly, almost nightly basis. Um, and that's a a little bit lost here. There's definitely not the session culture here. Um, and that's where a lot of tunes sharing happens and tune learning, um, and picking up different styles from other players happens. Um, so we've, we've lost that a little bit, but thanks to the internet, um, we're still able to hear uh, a lot of different players all over the world um, and pick up tunes from that. Mm-hmm. Okay, so session meaning you all get together and you're jamming by a fire type thing with... This is how I envision uh, it happening. Yeah, I wouldn't say a fire. But, <laughs> um, usually the, um, it'll happen in a pub. Okay. Uh, so like, there's, still, there's still sessions that happen here on PEI right now, even during COVID. So there's one tonight... Um, and it's at a pub called the Old Triangle, so it sounds Irish in its name, even. Um, so um, there's uh, right now it's limited to six people um, that show up. Um, we all sit around the table. Um, there's one, maybe two accompanists, um, but the rest are melody players. And we just someone starts a tune, and if you know the tune, you play it. If you don't, you don't. Wow. Yeah. And what's like the biggest session you've been to with the most people? Um, with the most people, it's it's not necessarily more is better. No, no, I'm uh, just so curious. <laughs> some, I've been to some really, really large sessions. Um, so here on PEI, there's because there are so many players. Um, there's so many fiddle players, so many guitar players, and piano players. Um, so the the sessions at the old triangle used to get very large. Um, to about like thirty or forty people. Oh wow! Um, but at that point, it's getting uh, so you can't really hear the other end of the table. Oh okay. Um, and it gets a little. <laughs> kind of funky sounding um but um i've been to ireland for the flap which is the largest traditional music festival there i think the largest music festival there and it happens over a whole week um and during that week in the town that happens in it kind of moves around the country every year um but there's like six to eight hundred thousand people there so the sessions gets quite large um and it's just kind of if you can fit, you can play. <laughs> yeah. Wow. And then, I mean, who decides, like, who starts the tunes? And does it just happen? Uh, it's kind of, um, like, there is loose session etiquette. Um, so, like, when I was in Ireland for the FLA, um, obviously I'm not from there. Um, I don't necessarily know all the local tunes that are from there. So I wouldn't be one to start all the tunes, definitely. Uh, so I'd kind of follow, and then if you're asked by someone that looks like they're leading, um, then you, you start a tune. Um, but 
it kind of depends, um, and you kind of frequent sessions usually. If you're from a certain place, you frequent that session, um, and then you kind of get to know um, the tunes that are played there. And then if you don't know the tunes when you're first starting out, you probably won't start a whole bunch. But then uh, as you go along, you'll, you'll end up starting quite a few because you know the tunes that are normally played there. Um, and then some sessions run with um, there's a leader for the week, so they're kind of leading the session and kind of dictating the tunes that are played. Wow. Well, this is all very informative for me because I'm just not a part of this culture. So it's uh, it's really cool to learn about etiquette, as you say, and how these things are done. It's, uh, yeah, really, really awesome. Yeah. Um, so you're, you mentioned you're sort of, you're kind of keeping this tradition going in PEI right now uh, through your students and through um, through your band. How has that, how has that been going for you? Um, the students here are really, really great. Um, I have a lot of them. Um, I'm up to over 50 students right now. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, because um, I teach both classical violin up to until a certain level um, and then fiddle as well. So um, I have both kind of areas of students coming to me. And PEI is actually a hub of an immigration right now and has been for a number of years. So we have a lot of new newcomers to Canada and kind of the first thing they do sometimes is assign the kids up for music lessons. Um, so I have a lot of kind of a constant rotation of students coming in, which is really, really great. Um, and I'm trying to teach fiddle tunes to as many as possible, even if they don't really know what a fiddle tune is. <laughs> so that's great. Um, but I have a lot of students who are from PEI and they've grown up going to Kaylee's in the summer. Um, what, are Kaylee's? what are Kaylee's? What are Kaylee's? So Kaylee's can be uh, kind of like a little concert. Um, it's kind of a loose term. It can be a concert where you kind of pay admission and you go see okay. someone playing, um, usually a different person every week. Um, or it could be like a kitchen party, um, stuff like that. Um, something to do with watching a fiddle player, usually. Okay, okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, so uh, like a lot of these students have done that. Uh, I have some students who are fiddle players um, but never learned to read music, um, never learned the proper way, I guess, proper way to hold the bow, hold the fiddle, um, never really experimented with using a shoulder rest before, um, stuff like that. So they want to learn those kind of basic techniques. And then I have classical students as well. So What's more difficult, would you say, like going from fiddle to classical or going from classical to fiddle, or does it depend? Um, it's probably equally difficult. I went fiddle to classical um, and I remember in my first lessons with my new classical teacher, I'd been playing for I think five years at the time um, when I started classical lessons and I remember those first lessons and I tried to play like a D major scale, like one octave D major scale and I didn't know it but I was not playing straight quarter notes. <laughs> ah. <laughs> um, I was playing everything swung, everything swung. You were just um, too cool for school, like right away. <laughs> Basically, yeah. Um, but it took a, a long time to kind of get that swing out and kind of be able to turn it on and off. And you can definitely probably still tell when I try to play a classical piece um, that I'm a fiddle player, um, although I, I definitely think it's much less obvious now. Uh, but I think, thankfully, so I started at Canterbury High School in grade 10, and in grade 10, uh, the focus is Baroque music. I feel like that because it's so almost even although the music is really um, like it's cut and dry there's not much going on um, in terms of 
it, like overexpression and stuff like that. Um, so it, I think that almost helped me um, be able to kind of go from fiddle into classical. Mm-hmm. But going classical into fiddle, um, it's it's I've only really seen it done successfully once. Oh God, <laughs> the odds aren't good. Um, <laughs> like I I don't know many people who have done it. Um, like and really really embraced it uh so like kyle has done that um and that's i think like the only person that i know personally wow. um <laughs> that has really really been done successfully um and really kind of embraced the trad music lifestyle i guess because um, you really have to really love the music to be able to really play it um, and everyone who plays the music really loves it or else they're not um you can definitely tell whether or not um putting everything into the music. Mm. So, How can you tell? What are they doing? Um, they just don't have the kind of the looseness with their playing. Um, and they they might not know as many tunes and stuff like that. Um, like when you put everything into it, like you have a, a pretty big repertoire, um, you might be able to like tell the chord changes and stuff like that. Yeah. How many tunes is sort of, let's say, um, average to good fiddler how many tunes do they have in their head uh it's said that if you know all the names of your tunes you don't know enough tunes <laughs> i love that <laughs> so ballpark I, I i feel like jane once told me she knew 300 tunes and i was like yeah dead maybe like three to five i was hashtag dead or so that um, is I, crazy I, I'm, I'm really not sure how many tunes I know. I mean, so you'll hear a tune, you're like, oh, I know that, and you just play it. You don't know what it's called, necessarily. Yeah, like, usually, like, if I hadn't heard a tune for a while, um, I'll have, like, I'll hear, I'll be like, oh, that sounds familiar. Um, and then, so at sessions, the tune is played only once. That only takes about 30 seconds. Um, so that would get, you'd have to know a, a lot more tunes <laughs> if it was only played once. Usually it's played three or four times. Um, so then you'll be, you'll, I'll be able to identify the key just by kind of the vibe of the tune. Each key has its own kind of tone center feeling, mm-hmm. something like that. Um, so then you can kind of like, if it's in D, um, you can kind of, kind of literally fiddle around to try to find the tune um, mm-hmm. if you've heard it before. And then usually by the second or third time, you'll be able to kind of come back into the tune like you learned it. And there's a lot of tunes that I've just, um, like if you were asked me to play them, I'd be like, oh, I don't know that tune. Um, just because I've picked them up at sessions. So by the third, fourth time around, I'll know the tune um, just by uh, kind of recognizing the patterns and stuff like that in the music. Um, but if you ask me to play it again without hearing it in a session, I probably wouldn't be able to play it. Right, so a lot of it is sort of learning on the spot by ear. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that's really, that's really amazing. That's really amazing. And I think if it's amazing for me, it's probably mind blowing for people who aren't even in music in the first place. Yeah, we get, uh, a lot of people, because BEI is a kind of a tourist hub in the summertime usually. Um, so a lot of tourists will come and hear the session and they'll be like, oh, how long have you been playing together for? Yeah. Um, and I might not know the person next to me. Yeah. Um, so... Uh, yeah, they, everyone always assumes like, oh, we've practiced together or any, stuff like that. But yeah, you don't have to practice together just to play tunes together. No. Because um, it's it's really, like, it's a loose tradition. Um, like, we're all playing at the same tempo and we're all kind of usually led by an accompanist um, who kind of grounds everyone. Um, but we're definitely speeding up. 
Okay, so it's like a communal language. That's what it brings up for me. Like, it's it's yeah, like there. Definitely. It's like you have these differing. You come from different places, but you're all steeped in this culture, and you have this mm-hmm. understanding between you. Yeah, like with my band, um, like the three melody players, Garmla, Tuli, and myself, um, we're from very different parts in the tradition. Um, and when we, when we play separately, um, part of our, our live show for a while was kind of showcasing each melody player um, because we have such different traditions. Um, and you can really tell that when we play individually, but when we play together as a whole, um, they kind of all blends really nicely. Right, right, yeah. right. Wow. Okay, well, do you want to sort of recap, like, um, where people can find you and your band on on social media and um, the albums you currently have out? Yeah, so um, you can find myself on Instagram um, at Carson Trad uh, and the band In Echo uh, at In Echo Music on Facebook, Instagram. Uh, we're on YouTube as well and on Spotify, iTunes, the whole lot. Um, in is spelled with two N's, I and Echo. We have two albums, uh, well, one album and an EP out, uh, self-titled In Echo and Winter's End. We're up for a Music PEI Award Instrumental Recording of the Year this year, which is great. Um, yeah, you can check us out. Have a listen. That's great. I'm so happy to have reconnected with you and uh, been introduced to your band. And... Um, yeah, I'm really looking forward to continuing to listen and follow what you end up doing. And I'm so happy for you that you've found this uh, great city and community and sounds like you're really thriving there. So, Yeah, community is a really good word to describe it. The music community here is great. It's really tight-knit. Yeah. yeah. Well, thank you so much. I've learned a lot talking to you. I really, I really appreciate <laughs> yeah. it. And um, I'll send you some yeah. some more bands to listen to. Please do. That would be really yeah. great. Yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah, there's there's a lot of great ones. Yeah. 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 Okay. Sweet. Bye, Carson. See ya. See ya.